uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want to share this with you today because uh, it's really a follow-up of uh, the uh, Easter message to some degree. 1 Corinthians 15, it says, For I deliver to you, first of all, which I, that which I received, uh, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, and that he, uh, according to the Scriptures, and he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 21 through 23. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who guides us into the word. And Lord, give us hearts that will hear. Uh, And Lord God, we give you ourselves so that you can make of us what you plan for us to be a part of and to be. And so, Father, we ask the Holy Spirit to just give us, Lord, that perfect connection with your heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And, I, and just let me add this to what I said. It's been a pleasure to serve with you. We love, uh, love the church body here at Bethel. Love all of you. We're thankful for all those we've had opportunities to serve with. And uh, we just love Bethel. So we will be a staunch uh, supporter and advocate of all things Bethel. And uh, whoever God brings in here, they will have 1,000% from us. Uh, and so we stand with them. You will never, ever, don't ever come to me and say, well, the pastor's doing this. What do you think? Because I will not answer that question. Uh, because I'm not, it, I always remember Lou Trotta's words. Uh, he said, it's funny that we can always pastor a church better after we leave than we could while we were there. So I never forgot that. And so don't ask me. Don't run anything past me. You go to your pastor and you talk to them and you love them and support them. And so uh, my, I feel like this. Our last nine years here will be a complete bust if this place disintegrates uh, over the transition. Because God has a plan here. And you can't allow the, cr- the crazy stuff that the devil wants to sow into a time of transition to, to cause harm. We are smarter than that in the spirit, and I am too, and we love God and love his church. So anyhow, anyhow, so you know where we're at, we support, all right? So so, uh, the resurrection of Christ uh, was confirmed uh, by his bodily appearance. He came, he showed his hands, his feet, he appeared to the disciples, and he gave them a physical confirmation of of his uh, resurrection. His disciples would be transformed by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Isn't that an exciting thought that God wants to do a work in your life that involves the same spirit that raised Christ out of the grave? So that means that we should be a living uh, representation raised up out of deadness into the life of Christ. 
You know, the connection between the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost is strong. That connection between the resurrection of Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would take place on the day of Pentecost some 50 days later is a very important connection to to the establishment of God's church. You know, the advantage of the Holy Spirit's indwelling was not realized at this point by the disciples who were fearful. Uh, They didn't know what to make of the circumstances when they found the empty tomb or heard the report of such. And so they had not yet received that internal indwelling of the Holy Spirit that would give them the confidence moving forward. And that would come as Jesus revealed. And so in John 16, 7, the scripture says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. You see, they had known his companionship. They had traveled with him. They had learned at his feet. They had served by his side. They saw the signs and the miracles and the wonders and they heard, heard him speak as no one had ever done before. And so, you know, they had seen all these things and yet as uh, the time, they had not yet received that outpouring or that indwelling, even the indwelling or outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would come. And in John 14, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. My mind's kind of floating, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to anchor back into this. I just want to say one thing because I feel negligent. You know, Robin uh, goes, she leads the, the song service in our services each Sunday and at the, at the, uh, at the establishment. And, you know, the, the, the thing is, the people, they like her probably better than me. <laughs> they always say, oh, there's a guy up there, a man, his name is uh, what, uh, Chester. He's about 97, and he's got a fixation on my wife. He tells me every time I go there, hey, uh, chaplain, he says, how's, how's that beautiful woman doing today? And I said, she's doing the same as she was since you asked me about an hour ago. And, uh, he'll, I, I, you know, there's a little memory issues going on, and so he kind of gets locked into that. And uh, he must tell me that. I'm going to tell you, when I see him, he'll tell me that probably 15 times every time I see him. And so... I, I told Robin she needed to stop leading him on, so because uh, it's getting out of hand here. And uh, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You know, the disciples had been with Jesus for about three, three and a half years, living in his shadow, students and apprentices of his ministry. And they were loved by him, and they loved him. 
They were taught by him. They were provided with his example, his infallible example. They witnessed the supernatural power that was released through his words, through his commands, through his touch. And they witnessed his authority and they were given truth and revelation. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him cast out devils. They witnessed his death just as he had told them but they had not received it with real understanding. He told them that he would be raised up on the third day, but they did not comprehend that yet. They walked with Jesus, but their thoughts were overpowered at the end of things by the images that they saw on the day of his crucifixion. The images of Christ on his last day traumatized them beyond uh, our understanding. It traumatized them also beyond the reaches of their faith Uh, which uh, had been sorely tried at this point. So as we know that Jesus was so uh, beaten and disfigured at the end of his life, certainly that had to be, you know, a a mountain to climb. They were hiding, they were fearful, uh, they were uncertain, and they had forgotten what Jesus had told them, or they didn't understand it at that point, but they would understand it. And so I say today, and how does that relate to us? You know, you know, familiarity does not necessarily uh, uh, reveal intimacy. We can be familiar with Christ, but God wants us to have that intimate relationship with him. Right? He wants us to have that deeply personal, intimate relationship with him. And so, you know, it, as much as they had walked with them... You know, Jesus knew that that was not enough because he said, it's better for you that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to ask the Father to send to you the Holy Spirit, that parakeet, uh, parakeet, not parakeet, parakeet, that helper, that counselor, that comforter, the guide, the one that would lead you forward and we're told that not only would he be with them, but he would dwell within them. So Jesus knew they had walked with him, but when the Holy Spirit would come, he would dwell within them. How many of you today uh, know the Holy Spirit lives inside of you as a believer? We live in a great day. You know, they had not received yet what we receive when we come to that place of conversion, when we become born again. They had not yet received that experience into their lives, but they would. And as we look at it, we understand that there's a difference between being familiar with and having an intimate, personal relationship and walking in the Spirit with the Lord. Walking in that intimate, close place that, you know, that's something that there's no substitute for. And, you know, as we think about all that the disciples had learned about and from Jesus and all that they had seen in him that was attacked by doubt and fear in his absence. You know, it would be unrealistic for us to believe that when Jesus died that they were high-fiving each other and said he did what he said he was coming to do. It was very, it had to be so traumatic such a terrible picture for them to, to look upon at the end of his life. And all of that had to be all overwhelming to all of their senses and challenging so many aspects of their faith in the one whom they followed for three and a half years. 
In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the, the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came. Isn't it wonderful when Jesus comes to us in those moments where we are being overwhelmed with anxiety and fear? How many have experienced that in your life? You know, we don't, we see a lot of questions and very few answers, right? We're told to step forward. We don't see the ground upon which we're to put our feet. And Jesus comes and he reveals himself to us in that intimate place and he meets with them there. And, and, and it says that he came and he stood and said to them, Peace be with you. There's no substitute for the peace of God. There's no substitute for, for the peace of God. You know, when, when I, I look back, you know, whatever it was, nine and a half years ago, nine years, when I left uh, Waynesburg, I'd been, we'd been there about a little under eight years, but uh, I thought about the experiences there and how close all my children were, were, have married people in the Waynesburg church. You know, so if, uh, it's good that I like the, the, their, their families because it would be, I mean, their, their children, because it'd be hard then if I didn't. But I love them all. I love my, my sons-in-law, my daughter-in-law, and they've all come out of that church. You know, they, my kids all went uh, to school, two to Valley Forge, one to Waynesburg University, and they all, but none of, well, Ashley kind of did, but they all met their spouses in the church that they had been a part of over the course of years. They didn't, you know, they didn't bring someone home from college, although my oldest did a couple of times. And I remember walking in the living room and there was a kid sitting there. And I want, I'm not going to go into a description. I'm just going to, I just, uh, he walked in, said, hello, welcome. I said, hey, Jess, uh, can I see you for a minute? And he went in the other room and I said, what is that? What is that? And, you know, he was a nice enough kid, and he was transferring down to, uh, and this is all craziness, but he was transferring down to Southeastern. And, you know, we, we, our budget only allowed us Valley Forge budget, right, at that point. And he was trying to coax my daughter to transfer to Valley Forge at the same time that he did, or no, uh, Southeastern. And uh, we, he was, uh, I'll never forget it, he was sitting in the back seat of our car, and, uh, he, you know, and I said, Jess, you know, you, you know I'm not going to tell you what you can do or can't do, you're going to pray about that, but this is where we're at financially, this is what we, we can do for you. And uh, I'll never forget, this kid leaned up through the seat, and he, his face, I was driving, and he was looking just like this at me, and I, and I looked over and he said, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. You know what I mean? You get very spiritual when you want something. You know, he wanted my daughter, so he, he used the Jehovah Jireh. And all I could say is, sit down. <laughs> and so, you know, neither he nor Southeastern were part of my daughter's family. But it, it, why am I telling this? Peace. The Lord gives us peace. And also, I don't even know. There was a point. Oh, yeah, Waynesburg. When we left Waynesburg... Had a lot of close relationships there, a lot. And uh, when we left, uh, you know, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was hard. And when we came here, you know, I'm going to tell you, you know, every place has its own challenges. But uh, no matter, I never had a day where I wanted to go back to Waynesburg because I had peace. 
The Lord gave me peace. There was never a day here that, you know, there were days that I wanted to hide, crawl under a rock somewhere or run away, but I never had the desire to go back to Waynesburg because God had given me peace. I knew when I left, my time was up. And so, you know, we we need to have the peace and the counsel of the Holy Spirit in all of the decisions we make in life, because if we make decisions in life without that internal witness of the Holy Spirit, then we're going to have problems. And so the disciples, they, they didn't have peace at that point. They had great anxiety and fear. I'm, I would imagine they believed that Jesus being crucified meant that they could very easily be next. And they are no different than any of us. Because the Bible tells us in James five seventeen, Elijah was human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly, no, no rain would fall. No, and none fell for three and a half years. It's Elijah, as much as we see him as the great prophet of God, he was also one who loathed his own life. As he fled from uh, Jezebel, right? And Ahab, he was a man like we are, who, who uh, lived uh, and was emotional at times, and yet... He found, uh, he found, he always came back to that center, that place of peace and confidence. And 2 Corinthians 1.8, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That's the Apostle Paul. So there are those moments when all of us have those anxieties and the disciples were living in a time of great anxiety, the unknowns and the fearful uh, thoughts of what might happen when Jesus came and he brought peace. I want to say wherever you're at today, whatever you're going through, Jesus wants to be your peace. He wants to give you peace, and you say, well, I don't know what to do to get it. Sometimes it's a matter of laying down the things that uh, are consuming us and just saying, God, invade every part of my life with your peace. You have my mind. You have my heart. You have my body. Lord God, you have every part of me today. I can't carry this anymore. i got to lay it down, and Lord, just give me your peace. Because no matter where you are in life, you might look at places you go and things you walk through, and they may not even be recognizable to you, and they may be very, very, very ominous, but you are never lost when Jesus is with you. It doesn't matter if it doesn't look familiar. It doesn't matter if it looks ominous. How many know that when you're with Jesus, you are going to be okay? You know, some have sought to discredit the disciples in their, in their reports of seeing the resurrected Christ because they said they were sleep-deprived, that they were suffering hallucinations, that uh, they were having some type of conversion experiences that produced these false ideas that Jesus had been raised up. Uh, bereavement issues, grief was so heavy that they imagined something that really wasn't happening. Uh, They were dealing with emotional distress. See, this is what a lot of people suggest was the source for their view of this resurrected Christ. And I don't doubt that they experienced some sleep deprivation. 
I don't doubt that perhaps that there were all kinds of things going on in their minds and they were revisiting the things that Jesus had spoken to them and their grief was unbearable. But I want to tell you, there was a re- what I, I'll tell you why I know uh, that they really experienced the, the resurrection, resurrected Christ. Because I believe the Bible, and God's, it's in God's inspired word. And in God's record, we are told by God himself that he visited with these disciples. He allowed them to touch their, his hands, to see his feet, to, to see that he was not a spirit, but that he had flesh and bone as they also did. I'm going to tell you... Um, The world today does its very best to discredit the Christian faith and the confidence that we have in the Lord. But i got to tell you, uh, in my life, I know that there's a peace in my heart that I could not find anywhere else. There's a joy that's greater than my happiness or my sadness, right? Happiness is circumstantial. I have the peace that passes understanding. I can't explain that. I, there's times we do things in life, make decisions, and we have no understanding a, a, about the future, but we do have the confidence of knowing that God, he's the author and finisher. He's the architect. The part of our existence that is most often discounted is the spiritual element. And that's kind of humorous to me for those who criticize Christians as being overly spiritual. And yet we've got all kinds of people running out chasing after ghosts in Gettysburg. (laughs) It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. You know, oh, you know, they're fanatics, they're weirdos, these Christians, they're radicals. You know what? I, I like Carmen. Uh, Carmen's song was it radically saved? Absolutely, I'm radically saved. It's not a it's not a subtle change that took place in my life when Jesus came into my heart. The old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. God raises us up out of a spirit of deadness into a spirit of life. So when we think about the the part, uh, the, the, the things that would seek to discredit our faith and our confidence in God, I want to tell you the one thing that will keep you anchored is when you desire a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord through His Word and through prayer, and just walk with Jesus. Don't get lost in, the, um, in all of the stuff, religious stuff, and all the, all the other stuff that just, can, just makes things so complicated, so tedious, so hard, that you know, we walk through life as though there's some merit to carrying all of this uh, religious, legalistic baggage and feeling like I'm a miserable failure, God doesn't love me, doesn't care, that there's somehow I've got to just continue each day to try to earn His love. How many know God loves you on your worst day? He loves you when no one else might. He's committed to you. You see, people say, well, you can backslide. I believe that you, you can walk. I personally, I believe you can walk away from God. But I will say this. If you are, are growing in an intimate, personal relationship with the Lord, there becomes less and less and less interest in walking away from Him. I've been married for how long we've been married, Rob? 38 years? That's hard because you're only 35. I can't be true, right? 
But uh, I have no desire to walk away from the person whom I have built a relationship with. I have no desire to, to go somewhere else, be somewhere else, because I have a relationship with someone whom I've invested and whom she has, into which she has invested. And when you invest in a personal relationship with God, and he brings all of the capital of heaven into that relationship, I've got to tell you, that's pretty powerful stuff. You don't fall in and out of it, right? The, our, our spirit is the part of us into which revelation, divine truth, and scriptural truth are, are, are poured into. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is poured into and from which the Holy Spirit's work is released. It's the aspect of our creation from which we connect with God in true worship is our spiritual nature. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We are spiritual beings created to be so because that's where confidence, peace, and real discernment really take hold. It is the part of our being into which the Holy Spirit confirms our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It is within our spirit that we are raised up into the newness of life. We know that Jesus breathed upon the disciples the Holy Spirit. And some say, well, that was a conversion moment. Some say that that was a unique uh, situation into which God, uh, the Lord, poured uh, some measure or or for some purpose his Spirit. I, I will say they encountered the Holy Spirit. That's what I know. And when you encounter the Holy Spirit, it's always going to have a positive effect on your faith and your walk with the Lord. How many know we need more Holy Spirit in our lives? Not, not just a measure of it, not what we're comfortable with. Usually, whatever level of comfort we seek in our relationship with God is, should really be an alarm that we are getting stagnant. You know, when I say that, that's all I need. I don't need anything more. God wants us to have that hungering and that thirst for Him and for His righteousness and for His Holy Spirit. How many of you don't want to, you don't want to live in that place where you say, well, I'm just, I've got enough. <laughs> you know, God knew, the Lord knew the disciples had needed more. And he breathed upon them the Holy Spirit. And I believe that it ushered in a moment of tremendous peace and and clarity into a moment of fear and anxiety and dread. Psalm 63, 6 says, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Allowing the Holy Spirit to have that conversation with us each and every day. The Lord breathed on on the disciples because they had not yet received the Holy Spirit into their lives. They were moving, they were moving in, in, out of their re, uh, physical relationship with the Lord. But he wanted them to get a taste of what he purposed to do in their lives at a level that could never be understood in the natural. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. 1 John 2, 27, and and in the context of this scripture, it deals with all the false narratives and false teachings that were, were, were coming at believers uh, pulling them to go in every direction except for the direction that God had called them to be in. And he says, but the anointing that you have received from him who abides in you 
and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Meaning that these are foundational truths and you know those truths and you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within you. But it says, as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in them. Jesus said in John eight thirty two, and you shall know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of men imagine, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Are you getting the idea that the Holy Spirit is very important? to bringing us from what we are familiar with and comfortable with in life to that deep abiding personal relationship, living in the overflow of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> you know, when, if we're going to walk with true under discernment, there's three, somebody said there's three steps to walking in, in discernment. It's being aware, it's understanding, and it's moving, going action. So there's needed awareness, understanding, and action. Walking with spiritual wisdom and discernment. The disciples were living in fear and the resurrected Christ uh, uh, brought his appearance to they and many others to reassure them that what they believed was indeed true. But it wasn't until 50 days after the resurrection that they would receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I believe that there's something, and there is the conversion, and then there's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in that process, these disciples had that, that born-again experience, that regeneration. And yet Jesus said there's something more. And it's that baptism and outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon them. It may, it may be at this moment that, that when he breathed on them, many believed they were born anew. Uh, it, it's, and if it was that or if it was some unique outpouring upon them at that moment, God knows. But it was the Holy Spirit that was given them. And it's amazing that even after this, Jesus told them to wait for the city in, in the city of Jerusalem until they would receive the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Last of all, Jesus came to his followers, and Jesus comes to us. You know, he does, he comes to us. You know, the Bible says, uh, behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. You know, um, <clears throat> so Jesus comes. He desires to have that intimate relationship with us. He desires to be that first love. He doesn't want us to live ruled by our emotions and our circumstances while having some level of familiarity with Christ. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit that gives us the indwelling when we're born again, and that indwelling comes, and he bears witness with our spirit that we become the children of God. How many have that internal witness? When you gave your heart to the Lord, you know what Paul's talking about in Romans 8, where he says the Spirit himself bears witness. You know, there were five appearances given on the Lord's, uh, of the Lord's resurrection on, the, on that Sunday. <clears throat> five were subsequently given during the 40 days. Uh, 
uh, that we know of, uh, Mary Magdalene, the other women, the two on the road to Emmaus, to Simon Peter and the other ten disciples. You know, so there's a listing there. And so Jesus was coming to the church in resurrection power, and he was calling them to desire for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in their lives, to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the overflow of the Holy Spirit. Because the bottom line is, you can't have too much Holy Spirit. Amen? Come on, church. We can have too much of us, too much of our flesh, too much of our own wisdom and our own abilities and not enough of him, right? I can get in the way. God never has, never, God's never in the way. God always prime time, center stage. He's what this is all about. How many know that today? And God says, not by might, not by power, but what? When he spoke to those who were uh, seeking to rebuild that temple, what did he say? Not by might, not by power, but what? By my spirit, says the Lord, right? That's still the same today. The Bible says our natural minds can't conceive of the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And it says, but the spirit has revealed them to us. Either he has or the Bible's a lie. You can't trust it. He said, but God has made them available. The revelation knowledge of such things is provided for us as to what we need to know and what God wants to reveal to us. So last, I'm going to ask Tammy to come. Are you still able to walk this far after your birthday? You're getting older now. But you don't look old. I'm sorry, she, she don't look old. I'm sure Ken's saying, no, she doesn't look old. I'm sure he does say that. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, and I'll just throw this out again, at the, uh, at the uh, uh, assisted living, they always say to Robin, because she tells her, she says, yeah, I'm going to be 61 this year. And they're all, oh, I can't believe you're going to be 61. They never say that to me. <laughs> never. I just hang around a little longer, hoping someone will come up with that. But usually they'll say, man, I don't know, your wife looks so young and... Uh, yeah, well, you know, things take their toll sometimes. You know, we get old and things happen. But Jesus is good. And Paul said, even though the outward man is wearing down, the inner man's being renewed, right? That's the key right there. That, for me, is the key. The resurrected Christ came to the disciples to set them free from their fears, to restore their joy, to confirm his promises, and to affirm their faith. Jesus came in person to confirm their, their, to them the resurrection and to breathe the indwelling of the Spirit upon their lives. At one unique time, experience, or possibly a spiritual rebirth for them. Prior to his ascension, he came and he commanded them to tarry in order to receive the gift of the Father, which he had spoken and thus declared to them. The key to overcoming our fears, our doubts, and our limitations is still the same today as it was when Jesus breathed the Spirit upon those who stood in front of him. It's still the same as what is said in Zechariah 4.6. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, 
but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Amen? Come on, church. That's not what we received. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, then we may also be glorified together. Romans 8.14 For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Romans 8.26, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know, when we do not know what we should pray as for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Romans 8.11, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, now hear this, this is so powerful, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He has raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies that through His Spirit who dwells in you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. You know, as we think about all of this today, you know, these disciples walked with Jesus in the natural. They saw the supernatural but they had not really tasted it the way they would when the Holy Spirit would be given them. And when they, Jesus said it. He said it. I'm not making this up. He said, it's better for you that I go away. What could possibly be better for us than having Jesus with us? And he explained, it would be that the Holy Spirit, the gift of God would be given to them And when he came, he would guide them into all truth. And not only that, he would dwell within them. That means we don't live our lives always just shooting in the dark, just just trying to make something that will please God. We can walk in relationship with God. We can walk in relationship with him. There's a difference when you just walk all the time in fear of not pleasing God or feel feel that you're not enough and walking in that intimate, personal relationship that the Holy Spirit says you're a child of God. I want to encourage you today as we pray to say, Lord God, I've grown up in the church. I've been in the church a long time. Maybe you haven't, but... You, you know, if you're here today and you say, I'm familiar with you very much. I read my Bible. I pray. I go to church. I confess you as my Savior and Lord. And yet, Lord, I, 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 my life is kind of rocked because I, I live a life that says uh, by virtue of my thoughts and actions that I'm really torn between two opinions or two views. God's Word's not an opinion. It's a statement of profound authoritative fact. But we're torn between two reports. The report of the world based on the way things look. The disciples thought things looked terrible, hopeless. They were fearful. And then Jesus came to them and he gave them, a, I think he gave them a nice sampling of what was to come when he breathed the Holy Spirit on them. And he dispelled fear 
and anxiety, and he brought peace. He said, my peace I give to you. And it's funny because he, him giving a peace is associated with him breathing upon them. Lord God, today we want to grow in our relationship with you. Lord, we don't want to read your word because we have to. We want to, we want to read your word because, Lord, we want, we want more of you. We want more of you. Lord, we want that. We want to walk deeper with you. We want to walk in the full measure that you've made available to us. Lord, I don't have to live this life by simply the do's and don'ts. of. Uh, we know that there are rules and there are things that we should and should not do. But Lord, we live and our life is an outgrowth of what God is doing internally. I choose the right because Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in me. And they compel me, they lead me, they guide me, they counsel me, they help me, they provide advocacy for me when I fall short. And I'm so glad today for all of that. Lord, we pray today if there be one person that doesn't know Jesus. Lord, being in a church is a wonderful place to be, but it's not in and of itself, it won't save us. Having a Bible in our homes is a wonderful thing to have, but unless we're allowing it to be life to our spirit, it it really isn't what God purposed for it to be. So Lord, I, I cast off condemnation. I've made mistakes. I've done things that, Lord, have not been in alignment with your word. I accept and I own my sin. I own it because, Lord God, in a moment I'm going to turn it over to you. And so I own responsibility for my failures and my faults. But I know that even when I own it, I can't really do anything about it. But what I can do is give it over to you and say, Lord, I surrender my my past, my present to your love, your grace, your truth. And I believe, Lord God, you'll discard of all the garbage of my failed past my failures of the present moment. I lay them down. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Wash my heart clean. I believe that you died on that cross. Your blood was shed for me. I believe that that blood is powerful enough to make restitution for all of my sin and to give me freedom and a new life. And Lord, I believe that, and I believe that it becomes real to me when the Holy Spirit takes dwelling in my heart. And I become a new creature in Christ. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I invite the Holy Spirit to take up dwelling inside of me. The Lord, where that void had been, Lord, had just been filled with all kinds of stuff, Lord, that couldn't satisfy, I invite the Holy Spirit in there now. And Lord, I want life in Christ. And Father, I receive that according to your word as I believe in my heart and I confess the Lord Jesus with my mouth, knowing that God has raised him up from the dead. And Lord, I pray for every church, every believer here in this church, every church in this region, Lord, that preaches the gospel of Christ and welcomes the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that we'll see that in this last day, it's not going to be a battle of flesh and blood. It's got to be a battle, Lord God, that is waged with all of that which God has provided to win these little skirmishes and battles because we know in the end, Lord God, the war has already been determined. But Lord, there's gonna, the enemy is aiming for collateral damage to destroy as many lives as he can, to gain as many little victories as he can 
But Lord, we'll have none of it because we don't walk by might nor by power, but we are walking in the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray for the advancement of your church, Lord, in this day, because we welcome the Holy Spirit and we love Jesus with all our hearts. Hallelujah. Tammy, you want to lead us? And then if you wouldn't mind, just dismiss us when you're, when you're ready to do that. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.